Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come with humble hearts. We just come before you. Lord, we're coming to lay everything we have at your feet. And Lord, when we leave here, let us only pick up the good in which you want to give us. And let us leave all other problems and concerns where they belong at your feet. Our scripture lesson today is going to come out of the book of Matthew, chapter 4. In the, in the thing, it says from 12 to 23, I'm going to, uh, or 22, really. I'm going to read just 18 to 21 uh, for the lesson today. But study the whole thing, but uh, I'll just give you this part for the lesson today. So you ever think about it, This is what it says in my book as a heading. Jesus begins his Galilean ministry. If I asked you to start a ministry and pick 12 men or 12 people, would you have picked who Jesus picked? I mean, you're really kind of a fisherman now. Think Navy. Uh, fisherman now. Why did Jesus pick these people? And, and that's where our kind of discussion is going to be today. So let me read the scripture and we'll, and we'll get into that. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fisher, fishers of men. Then immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Much like an older America, whatever your dad did or mom did, that's probably what you were going to do in life. You know, we've seen that going along. That's not so much so today with the, with the possibility of education and the college and all that other good stuff out there. But this was a time if dad owned the fishing business... Guess what you were going to do when you grew up? You're going to be a fisherman. And so you've got to go along, and you've got to thank fishermen, people that work with their hands all day. I'm not saying that Peter and them didn't know the Jewish laws and the Jewish ways and the customs and the feasts and all that stuff. But here they are. They were fishermen. They were hard-working men. Uh, worked with their hands. They were going along. And so you really, and you got to think, when you're around fishermen, if you've ever been around the fishing port or a Navy port, usually those are not the people, uh, usually, not all, usually those are not the people that are mainstream society people, if you will. Their language and the way they act and the way their attitude is, is going along. But yet, this is who Jesus picks. Jesus picks this bunch of people, and the first four we see here is fishermen dedicated to their father's business. And they just get up and leave. 
And so you got to ask yourself, why? I mean, really, if I was going to start a ministry, wouldn't I want to go find other pastors or other people, the deacons of the church or chair, in our case, the chair, people that, that you know are godly people that, are, that, that, that seem to have fruit of their ministry? Am I going to go to a bunch of construction workers or something that say, and I'm not downplaying any other job or anybody else, but, you know, where are you going to get men or women to start your next ministry? Probably within here in the church, correct? But Jesus doesn't do that. He walks on the outside. Uh, he, he was well known in the area as a rabbi, a teacher. Uh, we get into that later. But he goes along and he asks these four men. And here's my reasoning why he does. These four men are 100% sold out into fishing. 100%. What we see is we read through the Bible, kind of weaved into the story of the Bible, and we see it right here. You know, here's Peter and, uh, uh, Peter and his family. They're out there. They're actually casting nets still for the day. The other ones are mending their nets. And, and here was the life of a fisherman during this time. They went out, usually it was more at nighttime or early morning, they went out and fished. They brought the fish in, took it to market, and sold them at market. And then they went back and they had to mend the nets because they would have toured picking up fish or whatever. Had to mend the net, repair the boat. The repairs had to be done. And all the work that had to be done, they had to find time to sleep to start the process over again. If you were a lazy fisherman, you were not getting any money or food to eat. And so these people were all sold out. They were sold out to be fishermen. That's what they did. They lived, eat, and breathed. Fishing. In the military, those who have been in the military before, in the Air Force, we used to call that ate up. Oh, that person's ate up. Uh, I don't know if the Army, I would say about other people. And I was, I hate to admit this, but I was one of those ate up people. I lived, eat, and breathed blue uh, because I was Air Force. Everything I did was about the Air Force. And now everything I do is about the ministry. But because, you know, that's what we're sold out on, 100%. And what Jesus needed in his ministry was people that would work hard, that would be sold out to his ministry. That he was going to start this ministry, he's going to go against counterculture, against the religious system that's already in place, the Jewish religious system in place, and he's going to stretch it out. He needs people that are tough, hardworking, that are sold out 100%, that, that have alligator skin when they're going to get criticized, that it just rolls off of them. They, 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 can take, they can take the punishment. They can take days without food. They can walk many miles. They're hardworking people, and, and they're going to be sold out because Jesus, the key line here is, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Meaning, if you will put the same dedication that you have put into this job of being a fisherman, man, we're going to grow a ministry. It's so big. And I'm going to let all these men, men and women, come to you. And this ministry will be the, the promise to Abraham where there'll be so many people be like the sand on the sea. Think about these first four people and how they have changed the world. Peter, we recognize, we get to Pentecost. Peter, we have recognized as the starter of the church. Jesus gives him the keys to the church, but you'll get a sermon on keys real soon, uh, by the way. And so that's what he needed. He needed men that is 100% sold out to ministry, 
the 100% believe in God, the 100% that believe in what he's doing, 100% that even if death knocks on the door, they're still going to they're still going to be involved in ministry. What has changed today? Are you sold out in ministry? Are you sold out? Is God the center of your life? You can have other jobs. You can have other things. And we're not all called to be pastors and stuff, but we're all called to the ministry. In fact, our very baptism, our very baptism is our entering into the ministry. It's our sealing of the Holy Spirit, giving us the power to do the work in which God has given to us. I was reading, studying for this, I was reading... uh, is a focus on the family thing, but it's American Christian Institute or something like that. I should have wrote that down. And it says, of course, they're not talking about Lake Park people. They're talking about the rest of the crowds out there. Less than 10% of the people in the church today is actively involved in ministry. Less than 10% of the people are actively involved in ministry. And we always know the old fallback figure is, is 20% of the people do how much of the work? 100% of the work. You know. and, and so we're going along. So here's my question is, are you sold out? Are you sold out that Jesus is the only way? Are you sold out? I mean, do you really honestly believe? Forget about Methodism real quick, or Baptist, or Church of God, uh, Presbyterian, Lutheran, all that stuff. All that's just uh, man-made denominations. But we're baptized into the family of Christ. We're baptized into the, the spreading of the kingdom of God and, and doing what we've got to do. The Great Commission, go out and make disciples. Baptizing them in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And training them up in the ways to go out and make disciples. To baptize them in the name of the Father, the Father Son, the Holy Spirit. And to train the people to go out into the way. It is a revolving door where we continue to train, we continue to teach. But what Jesus needs today is people that are sold out on him. That their life is about serving God. That their whole life is about serving God. In John chapter 13, and we'll get this uh, when we do the Monday-Thursday service in the foot washing, we won't do a foot washing. We'll do something else. But, but it's a good story. A good story there. J- Jesus comes, the rabbi, the guy in charge of this ceremony, the high honor of being the rabbi at a Seder meal. And he realizes that they have messed up and didn't have the little servant girl wash the feet of the disciples. Why is this important? Because they didn't sit at tables and eat with silverware like we do. They laid on the floor. Your feet were literally in somebody else's plate, almost. I mean, it was just the way they sat on the plate, lounged, and and so you're all kind of lounging around. And they wore sandals, so they would have somebody there, a servant person, usually a young girl, uh, that would wash the feet, you know, kind of clean them up, (laughs) so they didn't stink. I mean, because you walked through everything to get there. And, And so that was the reason behind that. But it was the lowliest, lowliest job. And he comes to Peter. And Peter realizes that the honor, the guest of honor, who Jesus has said is the Messiah, is going to wash his feet. And Peter, what does Peter say? Anybody know real quick what Peter says? No, no. And what does Jesus say? If you don't allow me to do this to you, have no part of me. 
have no part of me. And what Jesus is really saying is, if you will not let me come in and clean you up, and, and we're going to make mistakes, we're going to need to be this constant cleaning up process going on. If you will not let me into your life, then get out. Have no part of me. We get all the way to Revelation chapter 3, Lesodiasia, the last church. The last church. And what's wrong with that church? Does anybody know what's wrong with that church real quick? Interactive service here. Lukewarm. And what does Jesus say to the lukewarm? I need my, I need my good college students that had that college experience of partying. Or the person that had the flu real bad. When he says vomit, I mean, I don't want to get too gross here. He means hurl. Hold the porcelain God and pray. I don't know if anybody else has been there or not. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic there. But that's what it really means. It's a violent, a violent expelling to get away from me. See, Jesus can't work with the lukewarm. He needs the sold in, the sold in crowd. And, and so that's where we're at with this. Peter, Jesus is saying, are you in or out? Lake Park is saying, are you in or out? Are we in or out? Are, are we sold out that, man, this is where God has called me to be. And I'm going to be involved in the ministries of this church. When we, when we become members and those who are not officially members, but yet you've been involved in the ministries of the church, we're going to put you all in the same boat real quick. Am I there? Because, see, God has given us all a gift. In 1 Corinthians, it says we all have a gift. We all, when we were baptized, you were given a gift by the Holy Spirit. Actually, you were given two gifts by the Holy Spirit. The number one gift that you and I both possess by the Holy Spirit is the gift of love. We're all gifted with the gift of love. We are to love one another. That's next week's sermon, by the way. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we are to love one another. And if we don't love one another, what does Jesus say? You probably don't have me in you. So we're all given the gift of seeing people the way God sees them. Somebody's irritating you. Come to my position. Come, I'll let you live in my office for a couple weeks. And, and you'll get this prayer down pretty quick. Lord, I need you to show me what you see in that person. Because I'm ready to kick them out. Not only my office, but the church, Lord. <laughs> I mean, of course, not at Lake Park. That was my last church. Uh, but <laughs> none of you people. <laughs> but, so, but, so, but really, uh, there's some people you're looking at God and like, okay, all right, what do we see here? And, but when I've learned to, was learned to put myself aside and, and they're what they do to irritate me aside and say, Lord, how do I need to change to accept that person? I don't ever ask for any of you to change. When we're, when we're in conflict or there's something we don't see eye to eye on, I ask the Lord to change me. It's a great marriage thing, by the way, too, for us guys that are married. Lee, you listening to me? Uh, when you're in conflict, Lord, change me. Put me in the positions that I can see what you see in that person and what they see you calling them to do. It'll change your perspective. So number one, we're all called to love. We're called to love one another, to lift each other up, to, to empower each other in ministry. Number two, you have been given a gift. Do I know what that gift is? No. Some of you, it's singing and, and up there. You can't tell me little Cason, I love, I love that little Cason, young man Cason, has not had the gift of music and the drums. Go along with Christian and his dad. And I heard his mom can sing too, but it's okay, that family's been given that gift. And along with the rest of the people up there. That's their gift. 
And that's what they're using to, to, to get the, the message out with God. What is your gift? We're all in be involved in ministry. We're all to be dedicated to the ministry of God, building the kingdom of God. And, and to go along, and it just happens to be that God has placed you here at this church. And so we're going to use, we're going to be Christ through Lake Park United Methodist Church. And we've got to either be all in or all out. We can't ride the fence anymore. There is people dying and going to hell because we have kept our mouth shut. John Wesley says the greatest sin, the greatest sin that we have ever committed. Anybody know what he said? Anybody real quick? I've mentioned this before. The sin of silence. The sin of standing by and watching the sin take place. And we do nothing about it. John Wesley was a great proponent, writing letters uh, and sending people to the United States when we were going through slavery and before he passed away. Uh, but that, the Wesleyan movement was a major proponent in eliminating slavery in this country because it was a sin to treat other human beings differently because of their color or where they come from. And, and we recognize that sin. Much like we've got sanctity of life, the sin of abortion baby, killing babies. When does life start in God's eyes? At the moment of conception. It's a sin. And when we stay silent, when your child, you got a child at the house, and you know, you ever done this? You know, the child is going along and he, you're getting in the cookie jar or something. This was my thing. You know, you're, you're looking. Is mom and dad going to say anything? You might even clink the lid a little. They don't say anything and you take a cookie, put the lid back on, what, and you didn't say a word about it, even though it, earlier the rule is no cookies before dinner, what did you just tell that child by being silent? It's okay. It's okay to do that because I'm not going to really enforce what I tell you. And, and so the sin of silence is, is one of our biggest sins here going along. So here, how do we go? We'll end, the, we'll end here. How do we go? How do we get involved in ministry? Number one, I got a four-step plan for you. It only take about an hour and a half to work through. Uh, no, number one, make yourself available to God. Many of us, and I, I hate to admit, I've been in this boat, and I, and I continue to hop into this boat. God, use me. But not, oh no, God, you want me to work with kids? Mm-mm, that's not my thing. Oh, you want me to greet people at the door? Mm-mm, that's it. All of a sudden, we have put limits on God. God, use me. Really what I'm saying, use me to be a pew warmer. I'm going to come, I'm going to sit, and I'm going to warm up this pew, maybe a Sunday school room, and that's all I'm going to do. Make yourself available to God. The prayer, God, use me. However you need me. God, where do you want me to be involved in ministry at the church? Or, or even the community even there. Uh, take no from your vocabulary. When it comes to God asking you to do something, take no from your vocabulary. And go along. When I was in the military, not getting too long, I was the kid that volunteered for everything. Man, we need somebody to go. Hey, I'll go. You don't even know what it is. I'll go. And I got to do a lot of neat things, meet a lot of neat people because of that. Uh, when we learn to give ourselves to others, we really get the reward. Anybody been on a mission trip here? Or there we go. Prison ministry or anything like that? There we go. Who gets the benefit? 
Really, when you're done, you, you're the one that received the blessing, even though they received the blessing too. I'm telling you what, as soon as we get involved in ministry, realize that you're gonna, God's going to bless you like there's no tomorrow. Uh, start saying yes. When the, hey, we need something. We need greeters at the door. We need this. Hey, I'll do that, preacher. Uh, maybe God's calling you. I've had many people, hey, man, I, we need a Bible study. We need this. We need that. You know what? Start it. I will help you. I will help you. I will help you find a classroom. I'll help you get resources. If God has laid a ministry upon you, start it. And we will help you grow that ministry. It's not always the preacher's job to start a ministry. Uh, And my favorite thing is, I'm not really happy with the company right now, but Nike, just do it. Realize failure will build on our success. I don't know anybody that has started something or been doing something that hasn't had mistakes or failures. You know what? That's why we just ask for forgiveness and we move on. Many of us are too worried about the critics in the church. Forget the critics. Either you're doing it for God or you're not doing it at all. Well, 100% in ministry, 100% in ministry. Uh, don't worry about what the other thing people is. So here's my question for you today to take with us to next week's sermon, which will be, for, I believe next week is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But next week's sermon there is, are you in or out? It's that simple. I'm going to ask God to say, to show you, are you in or out? And are you willing to come as we, as we develop ministries this year and start doing new things this year? Are you willing to be supportive of them and to show up? So with that, let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, Lord, just burn our heart to be in ministry for you. Amen.
Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we lead us out from this place, whether it's the Bible study, whether it's to go out to eat, wherever, wherever it is that we go next, let us that love that you have given to us, let it, let it flow out to everyone we meet. And we come back together next week. And Lord, we come, we come with friends. We come with people we've met to bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, we ask you this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, the whole church says, Amen. Amen. Today it is. It was good yesterday, but today it's hurting. Have a good week. Alright, thank you. You get on to your son though real quick. I mean your husband, not your son, your husband. What do I need to get on to him for? Mom moved and you didn't tell me? I will. I mean I almost went to the hospital yesterday. And uh, I had to go see to go to Tallahassee. I come back and I was going to run up there real quick, but just I had to go to Hey Hira that that church. I said, "Well, I'll go see her Sunday right after church." I, just, I was asking about her, and she says, "Oh no, she moved equipment." Oh. <laughs> <We're glad Hey, Brian. Yes, sir. I've given Carol Ann most of the credit because you're a guy. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm, t- I'm not sure who all was involved with yeah, that yeah. basket, but I yeah, pray. I mean, and what really, she's a kind of a popular girl at her school, I mean, in that community. I was really shocked. There was no cards on the wall. There was nothing. Of course, they have friends of texture and stuff. That's right. And I mean, she just sat there and bawled. I was like, I don't even know these people. I said, Hey, one day you can come up and visit them all. Uh, but she is doing miraculously better. Well, that's good to hear, and I'll pass that along. Carol. But it's all the little girls' weekend thing. But but yeah, I mean, we just, of course, you know, we were just so touched by Tammy and her message, and and not only her message but her heart and what she was going through yeah. last Sunday. And so that's great to hear. I mean, it sounded really bad as far as the prognosis. It really was. Well, I mean, the doctor, I got to go to the doctor yesterday. He has a picture of like the pelvis and the brain, the two parts. This is the picture of the pelvis separated in three places. When they went in to go do something about it, I guess they scanned her again. There's a hairline, barely see a hairline fracture. Her eye eye was like sitting sideways and her eye socket was all shattered. They had the thing on her face. They took it off her eye straight when they scanned her head. I socket. There's not even no damage to the skull. That's just the way God works. 
Yeah. Yeah. Everything okay? Hey, good recovery oh. on inviting folks to uh, the party. <laughs> hey, for some reason or another, I ain't quite figured it out yet, but we're not going to be able to make the wedding. But we do have a card for them. Uh, I think it's because of Ty Lynn. We're not going to be able to, we got to do something with her that, that weekend. So, but Tammy does have a card there for them. So tell them we're sorry we could not make it. Oh, you know what? It might still be being recorded. <laughs> well, we'll miss you, but we understand. Did you get with uh, Avenel in a planning group for this party yet? I got with Don. Yes, sir. Uh, and he was supposed to. We're, t- today we're supposed to talk about it at church. All right, because I'm in town this week. If we're gonna have the first meeting, just let me know. Okay. I will. All right. I'm about to have my knee cut off or something. Today, you didn't hurt yesterday, but today it hurt.